Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to season four of the Sixer Sense Podcast. We, this is episode 128, we got a new season of NBA basketball, as well as, you know, new season of this podcast. We're all very excited to bring you this new season. Of course, I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here as well. Guys, Training camp is officially underway, and so is season four of this podcast. Are we excited? Very much. I'm thrilled. As long as you guys don't start talking about fantasy football, I'll be even more happy. Well, see, the thing is, you said it, so now we have to at least no, address it a little bit. No. You, you, should, you shouldn't have said it. This, Let's this get is right on you. To the back. <laughs> Look, Chris is going to go down. It's that simple. He's been trying to trade me one of my tight ends all this time, and now he's going to be killed by one of them. Not Look. literally, but figuratively in the fantasy world. Lucas turned down all my Mike Williams for Kyle Pitch trades in like week two, and now he's probably regretting it, and he's going to lose to Mike Williams this week. So that's on him. That was his choice that he made, and it's all good. We move on. Yeah, yeah. well, let's let's let our <laughs> talking here. Let's let's talk. Let us talk about media day and the opening of training camp. Chris, let's go ahead and jump into that. Yeah, let, let's start off with. Uh, the starters so the first five-man group we saw at training camp quote-unquote we you know through the media mm-hmm. was Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. Doc Rivers had hinted that it's not that hard to figure out what he's going to do at point guard while Ben is out. The overwhelming favorite was Tyrese that's kind of been the talk of the town all summer as we've spoken about on previous podcasts. What do you think of that lineup Lucas? Do you think it works? Um well, I mean, offensively, it works fine. Like, you have a, a primary creator, Maxi. You got three-point shooting with the other three guys. And, of course, you still have a dominant big man and Joel Embiid. And, uh, but, I mean, you look at it. The, the issue here, and we talked about this on the podcast before, is, of course, defense. Because that's a really small backcourt with Maxi and Curry. Neither one of them is above 6'5". Neither one of them are impressive defensively. So, 
there is an issue there. The other thing is that, and I, I've been thinking about this more, and they they hinted towards this in the in you know media related questions. Is that Maxi still needs to learn how to be an NBA point guard? Last year he was kind of like, "You score for us. That's all we need from you." Now he's being asked to run an offense. And obviously the offense under Maxi is going to look a lot different than the one with Ben. But the, the issue is that Maxi's not even in college. He was he wasn't really asked to run a full offense because he shared a backcourt with Manuel quickly. So the uh, you know there, there's obvious pros, but you know there is still some issues with this group as well. You know, especially on a learning curve for uh, Maxi. So that's that's my thoughts here. Yeah, I mean that was one of our points. We can kind of jump into it. Doc said about Maxi, quote, I don't know yet. It's going to take some time. He's not a natural point guard, which, as you said, Lucas, is true. He played with a bunch of guards at Kentucky. He has been more of a score-first player his entire career. Um, I mean, my general take on that, though, is, like, the other options are Shake Milton, who is not a natural point guard, and Seth Curry, who is not a natural point guard. I feel much better about Tyrese being the lead ball handler than either of those two, frankly. That's fair. So... Like, if he had any actual competition, I think it would be more of a concern than it is. I'm with you, though. I think the defense is a big concern. I don't know if Danny is at the point in his career where he can be your primary perimeter defender. There was some talk from Doc about maybe, you know, Matisse steps into that group. Maybe George Niang, which is weird, and it seems like he really likes Niang. But I, I think Matisse has a real chance to start this season, even if the jumper doesn't come along with like, he's so good defensively, and they need another perimeter defender without Ben. I think either Danny or Curry would be just fine in the second unit with their shooting. Um, Curry, actually, because if they don't have Maxi in the second unit, you're going to need to get some juice somewhere. Maybe Curry can give it to you there. I so, mean, I, I don't under don't underestimate Shake Milton. I, he, he was a 13-point-per-game scorer in the regular season, so I'm not yeah, too worried I'm, about that. But I'm I'm worried about it. I'm <laughs> underestimating him. Um <laughs> Look, I, I think Maxi or Matisse and Maxi both starting is a realistic possibility. I don't think that's where Doc will start the season. I think this will be the group we see on opening night, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. It's obviously Agreed. very early, and a lot can change in the next week of training camp. Doc is probably experimenting with different groups every day. But I, I do think offensively this is probably the ideal setup. I agree with mm-hmm. that. And you're just going to hope Embiid can clean up all the messes that the defenders are going to make and start from there i think well and the other thing is like you said i i expect this to be the lineup that they start on opening night but i expect maybe 10 to 15 games in if this group is not holding up defensively as well as we we hope uh then thigh i could see thigh bowl switching out for curry in a second to be honest with you and i i do like curry in the six man role um, him and Shake kind of complement each other because they're both like secondary ball handlers. So they, there's there's a little bit more ball handling in that second unit. Um, you touched on George Niang here, and I know we're, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but they are really loving him this year in training camp thus far. So I'm not surprised. I didn't hear that, but I, I'll trust your whoever you saw that from saying that. I, I wouldn't I saw be surprised. It from Doc Rivers. Oh, did he say that? I didn't. I didn't see. I did. Oh, I. I haven't been able to keep up with all the training camp stuff because work. But yeah, I mean, he basically said they could go big and slide Tobias to the three if they need to, which I generally don't like. I don't think that's their best option. But I mean, whatever. you can name play Niang at the three too. It's not like it's. Yeah, I mean, like it's I don't think George Niang should be starting. I, 
No, he's not, not a star. Like Doc has been, you know, last training camp, all Doc did was talk up Shake Milton. Now he's talking up George. It's, I don't know, man. I'm a bit worried. I, I don't think Niang is more than like a 20 minute a night bench guy at best. He can obviously shoot the ball as well as anyone on the team outside of Seth and Danny. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, I'm a little bit higher on Niang because I saw what he could do in college and in the G League. Play, he's a really good playmaker. He's an underrated defender, good rebounder for his size, six eight, six seven, six eight. I mean, he was pigeonholed into a role because that's how that was the only way he committed us. But if you allow him to expand his game a little bit more, I think he can be much more useful, kind of like a Swiss Army knife. But that's yeah, just I mean, me. Look, Utah is a much deeper team than Philly, and they have players who kind of fill the role that Niang is in. So I, I agree that he's going to have a much better chance to break out in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, he's not – I don't – Agree with the rebounding thing, like he's he was yeah. he well no he was he with Rudy Gobert he, he was with minutes. he was with Rudy Gobert who's literally one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Well, he'll be, he'll, he'll be next to Joel. It, okay, well actually, when you put that together with him and Drummond, okay, yeah, fair and enough. Drummond and Tobias yeah, fa- for all rebounders. Yeah, um, fair enough, fair enough. But my playmaking, I still hold true to my playmaking stance that he's an underrated playmaker. I, I I don't know. I feel like we've argued about that before. Yeah, but anyway, let's go. Huh? We're, we're not talking about George's Niang yet. We will more later, but let's get back to Tyrese Maxey and the rest of the starting five. Yeah, let's say that five main group that I listed off at the beginning is the starters. Mm-hmm. They're the starters opening night. What do we think the scoring averages will be for each starter? Again, assuming Ben does not come back, what are your thoughts there? Hey, guys. Ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped with their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now... Back to the podcast. For Maxi, I'm going to be a little optimistic here, and I'm going to say 16 and 6. Curry, I'm going to say about thir- uh, 13, maybe 14. I'm going to say, okay, I'll say 14. Danny's going to stay about the same, 9 to 10. Tobias, we might see 21 points per game, to be honest. He's talking about one. he wants to be more of a, you know, you know, Dribble, pull up, three point shooter. He's going to try to be more aggressive from there. So I could see twenty one points from Tobias, and then Joel. I mean, I think he's going to be in the MVP conversation as long as he's healthy. So I'm going to say, I think he's going to start out the season hot and go for thirty points per night. I think he's going to have to carry this team. So thirty points per night, I, I think that's possible. Yeah, I, I think all of those are fair numbers. 
I, I really am not going to deviate a ton from that. I might like give ranges just because it's hard mm-hmm. to pinpoint like a specific number. Like Maxi, I agree, is like 13 to 16 is probably his range. Curry's probably like 10 to 13, 10 to 15 maybe, depending on if anything from the postseason like carries mm-hmm. over. Yeah, fair. But enough. he's been like a twelve point per game score for the past five years of his life, and, and that's and that's why I said thirteen to fourteen. I don't expect there to be a big jump. I hope that there is. Gosh, if he became like a tw- eighteen to twenty point per game score, I think everybody would lose their collective crap. And no, I'm not. I'm not going to be the one that curses on this podcast. If Terry is scoring twenty <laughs> a night efficiently, he then the athletic is right about him being better than Tobias. Um. <laughs> I, yeah, Danny's like nine, ten a night. That's like pretty much locked in at this point. Um, if anything, it might be less competitive if he loses another step. But yeah, I mm-hmm. think uh, let's just let's hope that he doesn't. Yeah, and then like Tobias, 21, 22 is probably the high end. You know, seventeen, mm-hmm. eighteen yeah. is probably the low end. Um, yeah, Maxi might score more than Ben does, so it's not like the Sixers are losing a bunch of points. Yeah, like raw point totals, they are losing a guy who can create points for others. Which is where I think that's going to really hurt in the second unit. I think that's where we're going to see. Ben didn't the play a lot with the second unit last season. I mean, but he did play with Maws a lot. He did, but play... what he did, he was also playing with like Dwight and Matisse. Those are some pretty funky groups. But I'm saying Maws still really benefited from Ben, especially in transition, and he's not going to have that yeah. be- benefit any. That that that's just what I'm, you know. But we're not talking about the second unit. I'm just I, I saying. I think Furkan, Danny, and Seth are like the guys who are really going to maybe hurt a bit from losing Ben. But mm-hmm. Tobias, too, even. I, I don't know if Tobias is ready to be like the absolute number two guy on a team. But we'll see how that goes. Um, Joel, I agree, is going to have to do a lot. Like 25 to 30 is his range. Um if he's averaging 25, the Sixers are in trouble because they can't survive on that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on what else happens. Like, if Tyrese is averaging 16, way better than we all expect. I mean, gosh, what if Tyrese comes out the gate and averaging 18 points per game? What what happens then? Yeah, look, if Tyrese is playing like that, then maybe Joel can, can live a little. But, yeah. Um, Odds are Joel's going to have to carry this team and drag them to the finish line a lot, which isn't great considering his durability, you know, his health issues and durability and the fact that he's just a giant human being with a lot of weight on those knees and feet all the time. But it's probably what's going to have to happen until Ben either decides he wants to come back, which won't happen, or, you know, they trade for someone. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about Doc Rivers a bit. He said that he had the Sixers rewatch game seven this week to kind of open camp, open practices up. What do we think about that tactic? Do we think that's a beneficial thing for everyone? Um, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, if Ben was there, I'd say probably not. But Ben's not there. So, sure, I think this is a good tactic. I, I've heard other coaches do this before. Yeah. I mean, like, if anyone has anything to learn from game seven, it's Doc Rivers. Um, so it's probably a good thing that he got to watch it again. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, yeah, for Doc, but I mean, it's not just I Doc. Know, I mean, I know, no, no, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think watching tape is that revolutionary. I'm sure most teams that lost in the playoffs ended up watching their elimination game at some point. But obviously, for Philly, you're mm-hmm. trying to take the next step. There's a certain motivation that probably comes from getting beat by the Hawks 
in the second round, which just should never have happened. The Hawks, no disrespect to the Hawks. They're a good team, but Philly dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 yeah, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but they should not just be watching Game 7, but 4 and 5 as well. Yeah, Doc, watch the first half of Game 1, please. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't help that. But that might not be an option for you this year, though. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I mean, Uh, if if we're being serious here, but Tyrese Maxey is probably better on Trey Young than Danny Green. And Tyrese Maxey was better on Trey Young. I don't know if you remember Game Seven, but Maxey on the minutes that he did have Trey, he did pretty darn well. Like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like Danny's a good team defender, and he's really competent mm-hmm. when he's used correctly. But there are just certain matchups that he cannot handle at this point in his career, and Trey Young is one of them. Can he handle handle Russell Westbrook? Sure. Can he handle a uh, you know guy that can shoot where he can't sag off and still has to stay in front of? No. Can no, he, he handle can't. Russell Westbrook? According to Lucas, a top thirty NBA player. Yes. Does hey, <laughs> I'm just saying Danny Green is not an underrated defender, and Uriah will still back me up on the fact that he's still a top thirty player. So will ESPN. Yeah. So anyway, if you look at like three columns of the box score, I agree. <laughs> and we're gonna talk a little bit here about the Ben Simmons holdout situation, but more importantly, what his teammates and what the coaching staff in front office things so chris how do, how do you feel about uh, just some background on this joel Embiid, you know he uh, obviously was very candid about his opinions about ben sitting out you know he said he wished he was there but he was also in, disappointed in the situation that they are currently in not with ben but with the situation he also kind of made a low low reference to the fact that we all have seen what 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 the tape says about ben so there's that um which i i loved um but he was very candid he didn't seem thrilled to be asked those questions and so what what do you how do you feel about that chris how do you feel about how joel addressed those issues yeah i mean i feel like he pretty much said everything that we thought he would um he referenced back to those that thread on twitter where he was talking about the fans how certain stars maybe don't view it the same way as he does he as you said, expressed how disappointed he was in the situation at large. I think we all are, though Mm -hmm. some of us are clearly more upset about Ben than he is. I think everyone can safely say it's kind of a bummer that we've reached this point and that Ben feels this way. It would be much better if we just were not here. But yeah, I I don't think anything particularly like there was no particular revelation for me. It was I thought he was very well-spoken and pretty honest about the whole thing. I, the jumper comment was hilarious and deserved to be all over Twitter like it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he definitely, like, subtweeted Ben a little bit, too. So he, he towed a line there. And there I mean, I, th- I think he frustrated with it. And I think, you know, I think deep down he knows that this is over. He's just putting on the PR, you know, tour at this point. So I think that little shot allowed us fans to know that he's really done with it too. Yeah, and like Embiid was right. Like everyone has to be on point to win a championship. Everyone has to get better after Game 7, after that series. It's not just Ben. But the fact that Ben is not there to get better, that he's not around the team, is is just a bummer. And it's where we're at. 
and we're hopefully going to move on sooner than later. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in Portland. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're right. (laughs) But anyway, um, so besides Joel, there were a couple other players that responded to this, the Ben questions, as well as Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey. So what other player statements uh, stood out to you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think Tobias is the big one, obviously, just really because his stature on the team. He's pretty well documented as, like, the leader of that locker room. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, straight up said that if I had known Ben was going to get to this point, we would have showed up at his house the day after Game 7 and talked it through. Um, I don't know how much of a difference that would have made, made you know, given what we've learned about Ben recently, which we'll talk about later in the pod. Uh, But... It, it's an interesting thought exercise. Like if they had gone to Ben the day after and talked it through and really been able to, you know, recalibrate and talk about what happened, maybe it doesn't get to this point. It's an interesting thought. Um, but yeah, I, I think Tobias was the big one for me. Yeah. I was going to say Tobias as well. So I don't really need to touch on that. So doc rivers, he touched on it too. Do you, do you have any thoughts regarding doc's statements? You know, not really, just because it, it's the same thing that he's been talking about. We talked about it on the last pod about his appearance on, I believe. Like this mm-hmm. is he's just recycling the same talking points at this point. Mm-hmm. Point at this point. Um. But yeah, I mean, he said basically, I can only coach the players that are in front of me. That that's where we're at. So he's gonna mm-hmm. do what he can with the guys that he has, and they're going to try to move on and make it seem as normal as possible, which it never will. People are only going to talk about Ben until he's traded, but he he can only control what's in front of him. That's, that's true. So that's Mm -hmm. what he's going to have to do. And then also Daryl Morey basically said, you know, we Ben's a sixer. We expect him to play the sixer. We know how these things play out. And if when asked about fines, he said, I'm not going to talk about, you know, you know details regarding that but the cba as well as the contract outlines what happens chris what your thoughts on that yeah i he made an interesting comparison you know to aaron Rodgers, who all the you know over the offseason all the mm-hmm. talk was about how he's never going to play for the packers again and then we see it was sunday night right that he led green yeah bay to victory. Thir- thir- 38 seconds left yep. yep led green bay to victory over san francisco in the final minute that's obviously the ideal if you're Philly that Ben comes back and is playing hard and leading you to wins. Um, I don't know how realistic that is because um, Rogers was able to renegotiate his contract and Ben is not going to renegotiate his contract. The Sixers aren't going to renegotiate his contract. I, I think it's a different situation. Um, well, and the other, yeah, it's a different situation for, you know, those factors. Plus the fact that, Aaron Rodgers is almost a 40-year-old man. He knows what what's what, and he knows what he needs to do to get what he wants. Ben's a 25-year-old Aaron boy. Aaron Rodgers not, is also, like, one of the best players of all time. Exactly. He's also that. And Ben Simmons is, like, all-star, a good, you know, a good defense, a great defensive player of this era, but, like, not an all-time great. He yeah. He's purposely avoiding being an all-time great by refusing to shoot. Let's be real, Chris even though he doesn't need to shoot. If he was a shooter, he'd be an all-time, he'd be in the conversation for all-time great, but he's not. Yeah. So he doesn't have that cachet that Aaron Rodgers does. And he doesn't have the equity that Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl championship. 
Ben Ben Simmons has what an All NBA, third All NBA title, all two All Defensive titles, yeah, runner up for Defensive Player of the Year, three All Star. Like that, those are great, but those are not the same cachet as Aaron Rodgers, who is a, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, a bad man. Like Ben Simmons is not a bad man. He's more. He's acting more like a scared boy, to be honest with you guys. And I don't mean that in like a in like a derogatory way, but he's, he's not mature. He's not acting mature. He's not acting like a man. He's not handling this situation like a man would. So that's, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, most of these comments are like perfunctory at this point. Like they're just saying what they have to say for the cameras Mm -hmm. on the off chance that Ben does come back, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty clear. Ben's going to take this thing as far as he possibly can. The Sixers are going to, you know, do the same. They're going to find him and they're going to pound his door until they can either make a trade or he does by some, like, he's not coming back. I don't know what else to say. They're they're just saying what they have to say. It's all PR posturing mm-hmm. at this point, narrative pushing, but we've kind of reached the end of the road already. We're not going to hear a lot of new things from Daryl or Doc or the players between now and the trade. Maybe after Ben gets traded, we get a little bit more juice from them. Can I just say I would love to hear Joel and B go on all the smoke podcasts or the old man in three podcasts and just talk about this after this happens because that would be fantastic in my opinion. Listen, breaking news. I just saw something that could get Tobias Harris traded from the Sixers. Check this out. Don't kill the messenger, but I do like some mustard on my cheesesteak. Yeah, I said it. Did you guys hear that? I didn't. I. What did he say? He liked on his cheese on his cheesesteak. He steak? said Tobias Harris said that he puts mustard on his cheesesteak. That's grounds for trade. That that's. I don't know. Okay. If be here. Okay. Let's let's. Oh, I gosh. I am not from Philly, so I cannot really comment on cheesesteaks. It, it, it's a sin, Chris. It's but a sin. Tobias, you cannot say don't shoot the messenger if you are messaging for yourself. That's not how <laughs> that's fair that's not, good catch. he, he good is catch. not the messenger in that case he is he's talking about himself he he's not this saying don't is... shoot me joel likes mustard on he's saying i don't like i put mustard on my th- and i yeah, think that's not how that do? works can, can, can we is this as bad as when Giannis was ask, asking for for a for a uh cheesesteak with wheat we that doesn't make any sense with wheat with, yeah <laughs> No, you you can put cheese on a cheesesteak, obviously, but yeah. I've never in my life seen or heard anybody put mustard. You gotta put it's either ketchup or nothing, man. In my opinion, I'm from Philly. I, I just I mean maybe mayo. You're so you're the expert mayo. here. I'm from Delaware. I mean, we have cheesesteaks on the boardwalk, but they're not Philly cheesesteaks, obviously. Mustard isn't even that great. Like Dijon mustard on onion rings is amazing, but what? mustard. Hot dog, baby. That's you know, I'm the doing. only reason why I even know what Dijon mustard is is because they talked about it on Big Mouth one time. Apparently, it's very <laughs> fancy mustard. Of I don't course know. you would watch Big Mouth. Hey, you know what? It's funny, but any children watching the show, please don't watch it. Okay, anyway. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, let's get back to it. So uh, I think that's about it, Chris, if you want to go ahead and switch gears. Let us talk about some positional battles that might be playing out in training camp or early in the regular season. We'll start off at power forward. Obviously, we mentioned that Doc has been quite the vocal supporter of George Niang so far. 
in his media appearances. Um, it seems like Niang's pretty firmly entrenched in that second unit. But right behind him is the reigning MVP of the G League and the G League Rookie of the Year and one of the Summer League all Summer League teams or whatever, Paul Reed, um, who we all know I'm a pretty big fan of. I think he's good at basketball. Lucas, do you think there's any chance that Reed can push Niang for minutes? Do you think there's anything to talk about there? Or do you well, think- for, I, I'll talk about this, Chris. You made sure that there was a definite pause between MVP and of the G League. You made sure that there was a pause there. But there were two <laughs> NBA-related MVPs last season. It was Nikola Jokic and Paul Reed. Only two. You're just saying... And in a league that Anthony Bennett actually looked like a quality player in. Oh, oh, please. Yes. He's better than Anthony Bennett. I, I'm not saying that he's not. He is. But that's not the point. The point is, Chris, you... I, I, I like Paul Reed, too. But let's let's be real. Chris Middleton all came through the G League. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah, we could talk about all the players that came through the G League, like Jeremy Lin, Patrick Beverly... Insanity, Beverly rocks. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh! Great don't forget about don't 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 you forget about Poku. Poku rocks. Awesome. I think you're All you are a part of a very Poku. small fan base that loves Poku. Is like it, Poku has a cult following, and you are one of the like leaders of the cult. I swear. I, I yep. It's true. It's true. Well, referring to Paul Reed and George's Niang, no, I don't think so. Not unless somebody gets injured. Unless Drummond or, or Joel get injur- gets injured, because Tobias never gets injured. And same thing with, I mean, George's Niang hasn't really gotten injured either. So, Well, way to jinx it. Knock on wood somewhere. There, Reed that's actual Christ. wood. I don't know what you were knocking on. That sounded like glass or something. This is I, wood. It sounded like glass. Anyway. There's glass on the wood. Okay, well, my point is is that I actually knocked wood, but that's not the point here. The point is, is that... Whoa, whoa, whoa. We both knocked wood. Dude. But it didn't sound like wood, Chris. Don't that's... get it twisted. Uh, okay, okay. Anyway, my point is that unless injury happens, it's hard for me to see Doc Rivers trusting Paul Reed. Though I will say this in Paul Reed's defense. Doc Rivers was talking about that group of second-year players. He said that is the hardest working group of second-year players that he's ever had. George's Niang is talking about how he wants to be a small ball five for this team. And honestly, I would see Doc trusting Niang before he trusts Paul Reed at that small ball five. Fair or not fair, that's what would happen. Now, that doesn't mean that if Niang's at the small ball five and Tobias isn't playing, that Reed doesn't have a chance to get on. The, I mean, unless you want to start, yeah, unless you want to play Thibault or Korkmaz at the four, but that's really small then, but... My my point is is that it's it's possible, but I it seems unlikely that Reed's going to push Niang right now. Yeah, like Paul Reed is a center. Um, he's the Sixers' third string center. I really don't care what Doc says about not trusting him at the five. Like that's his position. On the and that was last right? year too. That was last year, not this year. We don't know what's going to happen this year. Yeah, look, like Paul Reed can play the four in certain contexts, but next to Joel is not one of those contexts, and he's bigger and he's going to be guarding centers in any lineup that features him and George's kneeing. So Paul Reed is a five. I think he's behind Embiid and Drummond pretty firmly. I think he's behind Niang at the four pretty firmly at this point. 
right or wrong, probably right because the Sixers are trying to win games and they're veterans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I do acknowledge that Paul Reed probably needs some work on 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 offense before he's like a consistent rotation player in Philly, but. Yeah, I view him much more as a center than a forward, at least on this team. He did he did play better as a center in the summer league versus a, a power forward. I will say that. Yeah. Um, True. Yeah. So let's talk about point guard. Um, Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey. We've sort of touched on it briefly in the past when we were talking about, hey, maybe it's Shake who ends up starting. The early evidence from training camp is that that's not going to be the case that shake will probably be running the second unit, but do you think there's any chance Lucas for that to heat up for it to become a battle? What does shake have to do to make it a battle? I mean, it's not going to be a battle prior to the start of the season. It's after what happens with maxi at the beginning of the season that shake will have a chance. Now, could I see them splitting time? Like maybe, you know, 24 each or 26, 22 each. Sure. That could be the case. I could totally see that being the case. It depends on, I think, and this is probably one of the one times, one of the one depth charts without Ben that you could do this with at point guard is whoever has the hot hand is probably going to get more minutes. Uh, It doesn't matter who starts or it matters who gets more playing time and who finishes. I think for now you start with Maxi because, you know, his offensive, you know, skill to, you know, burst off the first step and, you know, get his shot off wherever he wants inside the key is pretty important. But I mean, shake Milton has proven time and time again, not, not during the playoffs, but you know, regular season and post you know, regular season and this year and last that he can get hot. And when he gets hot, he's pretty hard to guard, even though he's kind of slow footed. So, I mean, I, I don't think unless Maxi shows some real regression in the next week, or, you know, during the preseason games, I, I just don't see this happening that where Shake's going to overtake him before the start of the regular season. But after that, who knows? He might he might start Maxi, but he might end games with Shake. That that could very well be the case. Yeah. Um, look, I am so unbelievably confident that Tyrese Maxi is significantly better than Shake Milton that I agree to. Doc, uh, we've talked about Doc and his strange decisions before, but like it would shock me if Shake ends up starting over Tyrese. Like it would take a really bad start from Maxi and a quite good start from Shake, which I don't know, man. I just don't buy it. He wasn't one of the 10 best players on the team last season after the All Star break, pretty much. Like he was so, so bad for pretty long stretches there that I, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like that first year might have been a flash in the pan. You know, he's replacing Al Horford. It's not hard to look good when you're replacing Al Horford in that specific group. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm in wait-and-see mode. I'm willing to be proven wrong. Uh, as you said, the raw, like, numbers suggest that Shake is still a productive player. We'll see. He's going to get the minutes because Ben is gone. But. I mean, Maxi is starting for a reason. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted Maxi to start for a reason. Yeah. He's just better than Shake. He's better in the playoffs. He's better in the brief minutes that he got in the regular season. And I'm very confident that he's going to be better next season. Like I said, I think the only reason, I think we go back to Doc not totally trusting young players. And that's why I think part of the reason why he could just go with the hot hand some nights 
and play Melton more than Shake. I mean, Shake more than uh, Maxi. But you're right, Max uh, Maxi by is by far the better player, and I'm not saying that. But you know, Milton does have his moments, and there's a chance that he could be ending games on occasion versus Maxi. We'll just have to wait and see. But I don't think there's really a positional battle right now, unless Maxi falters. Like this is Maxi's job to lose, in my opinion. It's not Shake's to win. It's Maxi's to lose. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mm -hmm. So recently on our site, we had an article about position battles posted by one of our contributors, Ben Weiland. And he wrote about the small forward position. What if Danny Green loses a step, essentially? We heard Doc at training camp say, hey, if we need another defender in that group, maybe we put in Thibault. But Lucas, let's start. Let's say they do want to put another defender in that group. Is Danny the one that they're going to replace or is it Seth do you think who, who's more at risk of being moved to the second unit I mean it's, it's obviously Seth just because of the defensive woes and the fact that Seth has been a you know a sixth man for a good portion of his career where Danny's been primarily a starter but Chris somewhat of I don't know if this is a hot take but this this could very well end up happening what if both of them get shifted to the second unit and then you because let's say Danny loses a step he can't he can't start anymore. He can't guard, you know, opposing wings at a starter level anymore. He has to be in a second unit just because his defense is starting to, you know, fall off because he's 34 years old. And then Curry, obviously, the defensive liabilities are there too. You bring in, let's say you bring in Thibault for Green. That still doesn't solve your issues. You bring it, you switch in Quark Moss for Curry, at least then you have a little bit more length. I mean, I'm not saying that Korkmaz is a significantly better defender, but he's a longer defender, which gives the Sixers a little bit more options defensively anyway. I mean, there's there's a world where both of them supplant both of the starters from last year for either for defensive issues. Offensively, the, uh, the two starters from last year are fine. I don't really expect them to take a big drop off because they're both, you know, spot-up shooters, but defensively is where Korkmaz and Thibault could sneak in. But if I had to put my money on one, it's going to be Thibault before Korkmaz. But both of them have a shot for it, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, I'm that worried. I don't I'm not I'm not that worried, but I'm saying there is a world where that could happen. Yeah. As far as the Green versus Curry thing goes, I generally understand the Curry thing. I think the second unit will need offense, and Curry is a more dynamic offensive player than Danny Green on the surface. Mm-hmm. What we saw in the playoffs is obviously fresh in everyone's mind, where he averaged 21 a night in that second-round series and shot 60% from three. Obviously, those numbers are not sustainable, even if he does perform better than we have seen him in the past in the regular season. But Danny Green shot more threes per game pretty comfortably than Curry did. Like He was a higher-volume mm-hmm. shooter last season. He was. And he is a better defender. Mm -hmm. Not a great on-ball defender, but like off-ball, he's he's a pretty good defender still. So I I, I would be interested to see how Doc manages that. I I don't know. It's a tough one. I I think Thibault would probably replace Danny if I had to guess what Doc would do. Because, I don't know, Seth is his son-in-law, but... I think he learned not to play favorites last time, but I know I look, I, I feel uh, like with... the general consensus is that Seth is more important than Danny right now. 
Oh, he is. And maybe that changes because I think for like the regular season last year, Danny was the better player. I'll mm-hmm. stick by that. And I think most people agree. The playoffs yeah. give us new information and maybe it like sparked something in Seth. And Danny is definitely older and getting older. And there's a greater potential for him to fall off. But, I mean, the second unit's going to need defense too, right? So there, there are things you have to balance. Um, I, I will say this, Chris. I will say this. If you put Curry in that second unit, then you don't have to worry about the playmaking because you got two. With Right now, they only have one primary ball handler. And let's be real. Shake Milton's more of a secondary ball handler. You get who's also a secondary ball handler. You, you don't really have to worry about playmaking that much because you have the enough yeah. between the two of them to kind of offset that. I, I mean, like, I don't know if that's quite how it works. Like, Maxie's the only player on the team next year who's going to put any sort of pressure on the rim outside of Joel and occasionally Tobias. Like, if you put Curry and Milton in the second unit, a lot of possessions are still going to stall because they can't dribble inside the three-point line. Like, that's still going to be an issue. I... I like, playmaking in general is going to be a problem next year without Ben. Like, there are going to be some rough games offensively where they just can't really get anything going because they don't have a great creator, a source of creation outside of Joel. A lot of it's going to fall on Joel to do his own thing. What, what, what if we see point Tobias? I'm just saying we've seen it. We saw flashes of it last year. Especially okay, yeah, when but, like, Tobias is just not a good passer. Like, he doesn't he's, process things quickly enough. I like, mean, he's not I, – I think you're underselling him just a tad. I think he's a, I think he's a good to possibly above-average passer. He got better last year, but Tobias's processing speed has been a problem for a while. It's part of why that Horford-Tobias-Richardson thing didn't work is because none of them could, like, make quick decisions. And Tobias was a part of that, not the main problem. The main problem was trying to shove Josh Richardson and Al Horford into that group. But – Tobias wasn't helping himself. There's mm-hmm. a reason, like, he's not great as a three with two other front court players. It's it's because that's just not his skill set, offensively or defensively. So, I, I don't think you can rely on Tobias to be like your main ball handler. I think Maxi's going to be super important again because he's the only guy who can consistently get downhill and put pressure on the rim and create off of that. But I, I do think, generally speaking. It's going to be a problem. There are going to be some rough nights. And we're going to talk about Ben Simmons again, but this time something from his camp. It was recently reported that Ben Simmons <laughs> is dumb playing with Joel Embiid because he believes they are not a good fit and Joel's game does not is not conducive to how Ben wants to play. So, Chris, how surprised are you on these comments? Look, I know... Uriah doesn't like us to say bad words, so I'm not going to use it. But, I mean, he can screw off with that stuff, okay? Look, this is absolutely the dumbest report from Ben's camp so far. There are so many justifiable reasons for him to want a trade, you know, whether it's the fan base, Doc, and, you know, saying those things. Like, there are reasons that I can get behind that I understand him, like, wanting a trade. But, like, the idea that he wants to be a number one and wants to be more Giannis-like and to be used in that way, that him and his camp, according to Kevin O'Connor, view him as like a future face of the league still and believe that he can be of that caliber if put in the right spot. That's total garbage. He's not ever going to be Giannis. That's just a stupid comparison point to start with. And, and B, 
he's had every opportunity to be more aggressive getting downhill and scoring in Philly. Like, the Joel Embiid fit has never been perfect. I agree. But it's not like he hasn't had his opportunities. He didn't shoot zero times in the fourth quarter of Game 7 because Doc Rivers wasn't drawing up the right plays. It's because he is scared to be within 10 feet of the basket or else he go to the free throw line where he has never gotten significantly better over the course of his career. Like, like it's just stupid. It's a dumb reason to one out. If that's really the reason he's trying to get out because he thinks he could be like Giannis on a different team, then he's an idiot. I'm sorry to tell him. He's never going to be the, a good number one option on a championship team. I don't think that's in the cards for him. Maybe he proves me wrong. He probably will look a little bit better depending on where he goes next. He might be more aggressive. I don't know. But that's just not where Ben is as a player. So, number one, Chris, you're free to, you know, drop any any bombs you want. I'll just We'll just to, censor it. Yeah, yeah, we'll just censor it. Okay. But I just have to bring awareness to uh, – there's a clip of Ben. I think it was one of the um, – Games towards the end of the I season. saw. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about that Miami Heat one, yeah. aren't you? Let me describe it. So uh, <laughs> the first play of the game, it's 0-0. Ben gets the ball in the post. Joel Embiid feeds him, and he's trying to back down Duncan Robinson. He gets stopped. It's like a wall, which is unfathomable, Duncan Robinson. So Ben does this weird leap pass, bounce pass back to, to uh, uh, Joel. Joel. And he gave it right back to Simmons, who couldn't do anything. Tried to drive baseline, got stumped right there at, at the line, and he turned it over. The bottom line is, he has no bag. If you don't know what that means in the basketball world, he has like one move, and that's it. There's no secondary move. There's really no spin move unless you know. He has no post in. game. Look, right. I agree. He does like jump hooks, fading away from the rim. But that's so, not I a post with... move. That is man. that is a guard trying to post up. He's not a big man. If he could post up like a big man, awesome. But he does not have the. He has the upper body strength, but he does not for a big man. And you you can see it in Joel. And I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna steal the light here for a second here because I know how the post up. Gosh darn it. And like and I gosh I sound like an old person. Anyway, no. So when you when you're a post player, the well, number one thing you need to be able to post down is not big shoulders. It's not a not super strong arms. You need to have strong thigh. You know, you need to have solid base, and you need to have a big butt. You need to have a big butt to put back people down. It's an absolute must. Because if he, I, I know it's uh, okay. Look at Kyrie Irving, that dude's one of the best post players I've ever seen. He fades away more than than he uh, actually goes but in. He, but he does post up, and I've posted up in the past. Uh, okay, my my point is is that if you want to post up like a big man, and guards can post up too. I'm not saying that they don't. But okay. if you're posting right. up like a big man, right. and if you're posting up like a guard, you better be able to shoot, because those fadeaway jumpers are very hard to make. Because yeah, you're look. shooting off balance. But my point is, if you're posting up like a big man and you're trying to get closer to the basket, you need to have a low base. And he does not have that. And that's his problem if he's trying to post up. Look, obviously, he's never going to be the number one next to Joel. But mm -hmm. if he goes to Minnesota, he's not going to be the number one there. If he goes to Cleveland, he's going to have Jared Allen standing in his way. He's going to have Evan Mobley standing in his way. <laughs> if he goes to Sacramento, it's going to be De'Aaron Fox handling ball the ball most often and he's going to have another center who doesn't really traditionally space the floor like joel whether it's rashawn holmes or whoever like he's not going to inherently find a 
better Houston. He's not even on a rebuilding team like Houston or Cleveland. He's not going to be the best player. The only way he's going to be not a number one option. Uriah's right. He has no back. He also has zero touch. He's like an actively (laughs) bad finisher for someone of his size and athletic prowess. He's not a good finisher. He, He can like Instagram posts about being used like Giannis. That's just total garbage until he shows any initiative to play like that or be like that or to develop the quote-unquote bag necessary to be that good. If Giannis was in Philly, he would rock. Like, he would do so many cool things. Him and Joel would be an unstoppable force. They would win a championship. It's not a fit thing that has held Ben back. Like, if anything, Ben has handcuffed Joel in ways. Like Because like, Joel cannot be taking as many threes as he is, but he is, and he's given him more than enough space. Joel has encouraged Ben to be more aggressive at every turn. Ben has like one or two games every season where he goes off for 30 or 40 points and he talks a big game about it, but he has never shown the initiative to be a more aggressive downhill scorer. It's not like those opportunities aren't there in Philly because Joel's standing in the post. If anything, it's Joel at the elbow and Ben at the dunker spot where he can't do anything. And that's not a game plan thing. That's not a fit thing. That's a Ben doesn't have the skills to contribute in this area thing i think like it's email, all on ben it's total garbage it's i think that's the first email, thing with ben where i've been like fuck off it just doesn't uh, make uh, we got it we got it i think that email lucas is is uh turned him anti-ben i've never heard him so passionate wow yeah i was about to say this is the longest soliloquy that he's ever had against ben i'm very impressed for wanting out is because he wants to be the number one quote unquote somewhere and thinks that joel is holding him back from being the face of the league which is what kevin o'connor made it up to be like on the mismatch podcast the other i mean he didn't say he didn't say number one per se but it it was implied that's what kevin o'connor said and oh i was going off the tweets that i saw around i didn't see the that is total like that's just delusional on ben's side you guys have talked about him being arrogant and like that would absolutely be a case of total arrogance and delusion on the part of ben and being a total like, I don't know. It's just stupid. It's not a good reason to one out. If that's him... really his contributing fact. If that's well, okay. Let, let, let me out. let me butt in Chris now. And and He's let me stupid. let me point out a few things. This came out today, right? This came out today, or that, that news came out today. Just making sure I got the timeline right. Correct, correct, guys? That uh, came out Tuesday. today. Huh? I think it came out yesterday. Tuesday, okay. yeah. yeah. Tuesday. So it came out Tuesday. Training camp was Monday. Joel made his comments about what what we saw Ben's tape show on Monday, right? Right. This almost seems reactionary from well, Ben. No, this almost I, seems reactionary from Ben. No, petty. let me tell you. If it's petty, let me it's tell petty. you what Kevin O'Connor reported on the mismatch. Okay, I didn't listen to the podcast, so let me let me hear it. He talked specifically about that meeting in L.A. that was reported between the Sixers brass and then Ben and Rich Paul, where they mm-hmm. tried to convince him to stay on the team. And at one point in that meeting, because Ben and Rich basically were just ignoring their presentation about stats and reason, Doc was like, is it your offensive role? Is that the problem? And then Doc went into this whole thing about how he would use Ben as a small ball five, how he would stagger him more with Joel, put Niang and Tobias next to him in the front court and use him, quote-unquote, in a more Giannis-like role. And Ben, he asked Ben, like, is that is that okay? Is that the problem? And Ben said no. And Kevin O'Connor said, basically, Ben wants that, but he wants more of that, which he's not going to get next to Joel. Which is just, no team is built like that right now. There's no mm-hmm. team in the NBA built to use Ben as a small ball five that successfully 
and, and he's just he's not young. Well, if there might be there there there, there might be one, but there's no path for him to get there. And there's that, not. That, there's that, I would I would say Orlando probably is like the, Orlando has zero shooting on that roster. No, what I'm saying is if Ben wants to be a star of a team, Orlando would be that place because they literally have the Jalen Suggs, but he's unproven yet. Okay, Jalen Suggs is awesome and probably will be better than Ben Simmons. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, offensively, yes, no, I don't disagree. But I'm saying, like, if you want to have a fresh start where you can be the man. Okay, sure. But, like, Ben as the man is not going to win you anything. He's just not that good. I don't disagree, Chris. I don't disagree. So, uh, anyway, my, my point was, was that I think this is partially reactionary on Ben's part, putting this out here then, then after Joel's comments. And I think we've all we all agree that Ben and Joel are not the best offensive fit. We've said this multiple times. I think I was surprised the fact that he put it out there. I wasn't surprised because uh, I think we all believe that they're not a great offensive fit. They're great defensively. We we all acknowledge that, but offensively they're not the perfect fit. And we all knew this. We knew that the best way for both of them to maximize their potential is if they're on separate teams. Max Kellerman said it a few years ago, and okay, I, I agree. And I, I agree. I don't. I'm not surprised that you know this this train of thought from Ben should not be surprising. What's surprising is that he put it out there. And now I, I am surprised to hear that he wants to be the number one. That's ridiculous. I agree with you there, Chris. Well, I want to go further. Like, defense is half the game. Jim and Ben and Joel are, like, the two best defensive – like, that's the best defensive fit between two players in the NBA, period. Ben Better than, as, than than Kawhi and Paul George? Yeah. Ben as as the five in a – like, in a quote-unquote Giannis role with a bunch of shooters around him is going to be so much less effective on defense. That's going to be a bad defensive team. Or, or even as a four. He's, even as a four. Let's just say they get a stretch five to play along Ben. He's a, even as a four, he's so much less effective. You're absolutely right. Okay, so the other thing is, do, do we predict that he will elevate his game when he eventually gets traded? I don't expect him to be a better shooter. I don't. But, Chris, yeah. your thoughts? No, I don't I don't buy the jumper or anything. I, I, I truly don't expect him to change much. Like... I, if this is really how he views himself, I feel like he would have shown that to this point. I, I, I truly cannot imagine him like showing up to Minnesota and then averaging 25 a night and being the third best player in the NBA next year. I It's just not going to happen. Um, he's not the future face of the league. He's a great number two or number three. He would be great in Minnesota as the number two to Cat. And as a guy who can set up, I, I would argue he'd be number three because I think Anthony Edwards would have to be the number two there. Well, at like number two scorer, of course. Um, yeah. Like Ben would be great in Minnesota specifically because he's not the guy. If he goes to Orlando where he's the guy, that's going to be a crappy team. Any other, and that's fine. Let him be on a crappy team. No, that's fine. I don't care. But like. If this is really where Ben's head is at, I'm just baffled because he's a total it, – it's ridiculous. It's a delusion. Um, we'll see what happens, obviously. We don't know until we see him playing in whatever jersey he wears next. But I, I don't expect some massive overhaul in his approach because he ends up in, you know, Sacramento. I, I just don't buy it. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, 
we'll we'll definitely see. But before we get into the social media question of the week, and before this podcast, I was gonna give grief, Chris a little bit of grief about this, but you know, he actually, I think he's definitely redeemed himself based off of his, <laughs> um, you know, position on Ben this week compared to you know the last podcast here. Quote right now, but one of our uh, followers on Facebook made the following comment about Ben's Chris's take on Ben, uh, the last podcast. And let me read it to you guys now. Heard Chris's take on Ben Simmons today. It was weak and lacking. Chris doesn't even blame Ben for wanting to leave. How about him being a man, owning his putrid playing cowardice and apologizing to the fan base and showing some humility? If he did, if he did, the fan base would start respecting him and give him another chance. This guy who shot three times in seven fourth quarters, he wouldn't even go after rebounds in fear of getting being fouled. He choked on an epic fashion and showed an arrogance and lack of maturity and integrity after the series. He brought all of this on upon himself, all of it. Philly fans by and large, supported this guy hugely the last four years. So, Chris, would you like to re, uh, rebuttal to this fan? And I don't, I don't, I don't want to put his name out there just so that other people don't like go after this guy. But this was get this was on our Facebook page on one of our posts. Yeah, I mean, like I agree. A Ben has brought this all on himself. That's true. Um, I, I mean, obviously, last week I. My interpretation of why Ben and Ben wanted out is different than it is today. If if we're putting more weight into the Kevin O'Connor and the athletic reports than we are like those rumors, then Ben seems a bit more arrogant and full of himself than I initially thought. Um but like saying I understand why Ben wants to leave if the organization in his mind has turned on him and they've tried to trade him multiple times and Doc made those comments or whatever. Like, I get it. I'm not saying Philly doesn't have every right to be pissed off at him. I'm not saying, like, that he performed well in the playoffs and was not an issue. But I can understand, like, wanting a fresh start somewhere else just to, like, if anything, clear your head and get out of a potentially toxic space with fans that honestly are not going to forgive him. Like, he can post something on Instagram. I truly don't think it would matter, personally. I, I get it from that perspective, but if he really does, it's like, I'm going to be the face of the league in Minnesota where I can play like Giannis. If that is actually, and that's probably not exactly the line of thought for him, but if that's really where his head's at, then that's different. Then he's just has truly an overinflated view of himself. And as, there's no evidence that he can play like that anywhere near as good as that. But we'll, we'll, we're in wait and see mode, I guess. All right. Thank you for your thoughts, Chris. You're right. You want to go ahead and do the social media question of the week? <sighs> sure. If you can probably guess who it's about, the question of the week is where <laughs> are you at with Ben Simmons right now? Right now. And the three options were A, want him going immediately, B, waiting patiently for a trade, or C, indifferent, pretty much just waiting for the season to start. So 56% of the people who voted said that they want to wait patiently for a trade. 28% want him gone out of here yesterday. And only 16% are just kind of indifferent about it. You guys mind if I go first real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So 
I, I finally figured out, guys, like the true emotion, like the like the sequence of emotion leading to anger. It wasn't anger, I think, for me that started first. I think it was disappointment in that we lost a series that we should have won. I mean, the, the window was open. We could have just walked right through it and then maybe made Eastern Conference Finals. But the anger set in when I realized this. Ben's response is what really got to me. And, and I've said that multiple times. And he, it's like he doesn't care. The reality is, if you're a star player for your team, if their concern, their level of concern about winning and losing is not equivalent to the fan base, you can't survive in a city like Philly. So I, I think I'm, I'm done. I want him gone. I want him gone. So I'll go ahead and say, I actually voted him and said gone to Uriah. I'm what? done with this. I'm done with it. I'm done. Like, give me CJ McCollum, Roko, and a couple of picks. Honestly, that's as close as you're going to get to fair value for trade for Ben now. And, like, honestly, you would have to give up more to get a superstar. And I guess that's what Philly's long-term plan is, and I get that. But there's no guarantee that the Blazers are going to suck. There's no – I mean, there's a strong chance that Washington will suck, but Bradley Beal just seems too darn loyal for his own good. I agree. Him and and him so, like so I mean, let's, let's be real. Unless Zach Levine comes out and says, hey – I'm not going to resign with Chicago because we're not as good as I thought we were going to be. Like, that's the only way I see us flipping Ben, but then that's more of a straight one for one. Or maybe the Sixers would have to attach, like, maybe Shake Milton or a draft pick or two. Like, yeah, that that's, that's where I'm at. Like, just give me CJ. I think CJ can be an all star in the East. I, I think Roku would help not completely, you know, fix all the defensive problems that we would have without Ben, but help them. And few draft picks, sure, we can flip them for somebody later. Like, just get it gone, done and gone. Yeah. Um, like, I want this to end as soon as possible. It would thrill me if he was traded tomorrow. But, like, as far as what the Sixers should be doing... And I'm at a point where I'm like willing to do it. it. It's to wait and get the best possible return, at least until the trade deadline. I really don't think this should drag on past the trade deadline. I can't imagine that the offers are so bad that it should drag on past the trade deadline. I don't know. I'm not in Daryl's office every morning taking these calls, but I'm willing to wait until the trade deadline to see if Lillard asks out. Would you do? Would you do SGA and Poku for Ben? Yeah, uh, I, I know you would. Better. Well, I was throwing in the Poku because why not? But yeah, no, of course, I got I'd you. do Poku for Ben. Um, I, I bet you would. Um, picks. Um, yeah, look, I, I, patience is the best way to go here. It's the right thing to do, quote unquote. Like emotionally, I'm ready for him to be gone yesterday too. I'm tired of talking about him. I'd love to talk about you know CJ McCollum or whoever. It'd be a nice change of pace at least if not, like, totally beneficial to the team. But for now, I guess it's best to wait and see. Yeah. I, I, I Yeah, I understand the importance of waiting the scene, and that's a smart thing to do, but I'm going to let emotions drive me on this one. But, Chris, I think it's about time for you to play us out, man. Um, big week for Lucas's 
um, soon to be 0-4 fantasy team. Uh, first off, I won last weekend, oh, so you can suck it. My Secondly. Bad. All right, 1-3. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I... <laughs> You can suck a suck a celery. You can bleep me out. How about that one? You can suck a (laughs) suck a cheesesteak with mustard on it. Yes, yes. Suck a cheesesteak with mustard on it, Chris. Um, sorry. One in three. Um, so (laughs) go Chargers Monday night. I expect big things from Justin Herbert. And to all our listeners, as always. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Again, season four is underway officially. Fourth season of this podcast. We are very excited to continue covering this team and giving our opinions on Ben Simmons and everyone else involved with it. Um, you can follow us, subscribe, leave a comment, all that stuff on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, wherever you get your pods. It would really help us out. If you did that, you can follow us on Twitter at Sixer Sense. And until next week, go birds. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.